invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1,888. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As for the reading of God's holy word, may he bless to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever heard of a man named Jean-Paul Sartre. Now, just so you know, I didn't take French in high school. I took Spanish. So I don't think that's how you say his name. But you kind of have to do the Sartre. Like, that's the French thing. You know, Jean-Paul Sartre. Um, or the word existentialism. So who's ever heard of Jean-Paul Sartre or existentialism? Okay. Well, Sartre was a, a 20th century French philosopher whose philosophy is arguably part of the most popular philosophy in America today with very few people who really uh, know any idea uh, where these ideas that they cling to as truth come from. Um, now that is another whole... Uh, Discussion about the social imaginary um, that uh, we won't get into this morning, but people believe things that Jean-Paul Sartre taught, even though they probably don't know who Jean-Paul Sartre is or what existentialism is. Uh, one of Sartre's big ideas was that um, existence precedes comes before, existence precedes essence. Now, he said it in French, so it probably sounded cooler. Uh, but what he meant by that is that uh, human beings are free to author their own identity. Um, that you exist, and then you create your own essence, your own identity, after whatever 
mold you want. Um, you are free because your existence comes before your essence. You're like, a, you're like a, a piece of clay that you can mold into whatever it is that you want to become. Now maybe you can see how popular that idea is in our culture. Once you hear it in those terms, right. Um, once you hear it in those terms, you think to yourself, well, the whole um, discussion about transgenderism makes sense. Because not even my biology, my existence, has anything to do with my essence. Um, the way that I was created, the body that was given me, uh, doesn't mean anything about uh, who I'm supposed to be, who I really am, who I truly am. Another way that you could call this would be expressive individualism. Um, it's more about the psychological self, who you really feel that you are on the inside. It doesn't matter how you were created, your existence. You now, because you exist, get to decide whatever it is that you are, whatever it is that you want to be. You create your own destiny. And that's something that John Paul Sartre taught. Our culture... Uh, our culture is one that fervently believes that it has the power of self-definition to define your own essence. You get to decide what it is that you actually are. And um, Peter, this evening, in, uh, in his letter to this church, is going to tell us that's not the case. Um, not, only does, not only does Genesis, uh, God, define who we are as human beings and, and what our ultimate destiny and purpose is. Um, not only in, in, in God's view of things, uh, essence precedes existence. It's the reverse, the reverse of what Jean Paul Sartre taught, right? Um, but also in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're told uh, about something especially unique about our identity. When it comes to the fact that we are Christians, um, our, our uh, essence is defined for us as Christians. We don't get to define it for ourselves. And so uh, Peter tells us this tonight, and uh, we're going to listen. So, our theme tonight, living out the Christian life. Requires reminding ourselves of our new identity. Reminding ourselves of our new identity. So we've got three points tonight. First is the living stone and the living stones. That sounds like a, a rock band. The second is the living stone and the dead stones. And the third is the living stone. And the new people of God. 
Let's start by looking at this first point, the living stone of the living stones. Living out the Christian life requires reminding ourselves of our new identity. Um, what I want to do for a second here is go over what we've covered in 1 Peter so far. Uh, 1 Peter, uh, verses 3 through, um, through uh, 12, talk about the gospel identity that we have, the gospel that has saved us and, and uh, redeemed us. Uh, and then verse 13 and following, Peter begins to apply that gospel to our lives. This means that we're called to be holy. Uh, this means that we uh, call upon a father who judges each man's work impartially. We should live as strangers here in reverent fear. Uh, this means that we should uh, change the way we live our lives and get rid of the old ways that our, our, our descendants in the past, our, our uh, forefathers in the past taught us, and to cling to the, the new life which is uh, marked with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Um, and, 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 and Peter says we should, be, we should be called to love each other even more deeply as brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says the way that we do this is by desiring the word of God like uh, babies desire uh, milk. And so then after he said all these things, he turns to what we're looking at uh, tonight. This conversation about uh, the living stone and, um, and, and living stones and all these uh, statements about priesthood and royal priesthood and holy nation, people belonging to God. What does all this mean? And that's what we're going to look at. So the first point we're going to look at is verses 4 through 6, uh, the living stone and living stones, okay? Um, so then, now that Peter has said the way that you continue to grow in the Christian life is by returning to the word of God, by going back to the gospel message that you received, right? Peter assumes that what this does is lead us to a specific person. This leads us to Christ. And that's why he says here at the beginning of verse 4, as you come to him. That means a repetitious act. As you are coming to him, this is the Christian life. Do you understand the Christian life is as you come to him? As you come to him, are you, a, are you a Christian for a day? As you come to Jesus Christ. Are you a Christian for 10 years? As you come to Jesus Christ. Are you a Christian for 25 years? As you come to him. As you come to him. As you come to him. That is the nature of the Christian life. Coming and coming again to Jesus Christ. As you come to him. And this is what um, Peter says. Peter calls Christ the living stone. The living stone. Where is he getting this name for Jesus, the living stone? Well, Peter says, This living stone, rejected by man but chosen by God and precious to him, is uh, Jesus. He says so by pointing into his first passage in Isaiah chapter 28. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And Peter says that, that prophecy in Isaiah is fulfilled in Jesus. That is the chosen and precious cornerstone. But Peter also gets this idea of Jesus being the living stone because Peter walked with Jesus. 
Peter was with Jesus when, at the beginning of the Gospel of John, Jesus went into the temple, and they came out, and they were, and, and they were saying, who do you say that you are? And Jesus says, well, I can, I can destroy this temple and build it again in three days. And they're like, this temple took 40 years to build. What are you talking about? And, and, and John says what, what he was talking about was his body, Right? Peter is giving Jesus this name, the living stone, because one time Jesus had a conversation with Peter. And you do know that Peter's name. Oh, you're, you're Simon, son of Jonah? Well, from this day on, you will be called Petros. Rock. And one time, Jesus had a conversation with Peter, and Peter, he said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. See, Peter, you're the little rock, but on this rock, I will build my church. And so Peter's taking all these things that he's experienced, personal testimony, personal experience that Peter has had about Jesus and his teaching about uh, that he is the new temple of God. That his body is the new temple of God. And so Peter, Peter says, Jesus is so much better than that place in Jerusalem. You know, some people still go to Jerusalem because they think going to the Wailing Wall the one remaining wall from that temple that's been destroyed for thousands of years now, hundreds and hundreds of years, and they could go there because it's a spiritual place and they can fold up little pieces of paper and put it into the wailing wall and somehow God's going to hear their prayers better. We don't have a dead stone wailing wall. We have a living stone. Jesus. He's a living stone. Okay? That's why Peter says, this is the living stone, rejected by man, but chosen by God. And this is, what, uh, this is what Peter says. Here is who you're supposed to come to. But you also, like living stones. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter's saying Jesus is the living stone, but in him, in him, you are living stones. And all of you together, as these Christians that I'm writing to, and all, and all you together as the Christians who will read this letter, God's inspired word, 2,000 years after I've written it, you together are like living stones. And you're being built into a spiritual house. Uh, not a physical house. Right? I mean, uh, there are so much uh, statements about uh, during, during lockdowns and, and when we, uh, the people of God couldn't gather together uh, in person to worship. Uh, well, you know, it's not the building that's the church. You know, we're the church. And what's so true about that is that, that that's a true statement. Okay, um, But that doesn't negate the fact that the Bible says that we're called to assemble together to worship. 
okay? Um, the building is not what makes Cottage Grove a church. It is the people who are united in Jesus Christ who gather together that makes Cottage Grove a church. And we are a spiritual house. A holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, the first thing I want to say here is that Peter's audience is not Jewish. And so when you hear this language, it should be coming across to you as, as, as quite a shock. Um, because if you know your Old Testament, this is very Old Testament rich language. And Peter's going to use even more later on in our passage. Um, but what's interesting about Peter's choice here, uh, because um, people would, uh, would think, well, if Peter's audience is not a, a, a Jewish audience, why is he using all this um, language that's hard to understand? Um, well, Peter knows that the Bible that these Gentile Christians had is the Old Testament, uh, the books of the Old Testament. They don't have the New Testament yet. And so, as they're going through the books of the Old Testament, and they're reading this language about the people of God, and they're, this, they're reading this language about uh, a priesthood and a temple and sacrifices, and they're wondering, how do we fit into that picture? Now, Peter is giving them a map. He's giving them a map how they, how they fit into that picture, how we fit into that picture. See, we don't have a temple uh, like the Jews in the Old Testament had, or maybe even like the Jews at the time Peter's writing this had still. Um, we don't have a Levitical priesthood like they had. Um, and we don't offer animal sacrifices like they do. Our worship is worship in spirit and in truth, just as Jesus said to the woman at the well. Uh, our house is a spiritual house. Our priesthood is a believer's priesthood. Our sacrifices are spiritual sacrifices. Well, what kind of sacrifices could those be? Paul says, offer your bodies as a, well, interesting, a living sacrifice. Living stone, living sacrifice. The book of Hebrews says we offer praises up as sacrifices to the Lord. The prayers of the saints in the book of Revelation go up to the Lord as a pleasing scent. Uh, these are spiritual sacrifices that we offer, okay? This is what we do. And all these sacrifices, these spiritual sacrifices, they're only acceptable to God uh, through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to his people, he was rejected by his people, but he was the chosen, precious cornerstone. And that beautiful promise from Isaiah is the one who trusts in him, the one who trusts in that stone will never be put to shame. So, let's then talk about the second point. Oh man, I could have just rewrote the second part. I'll remember next time. The living stone and dead stones. 
So if the most important identity that we have now um, has to do with how we interact, how we uh, deal with the living stone, Jesus Christ, how we respond to him, um, then what's the identity of those uh, who do not believe? And that's what uh, verses 7 and 8 talk about. It says, Now to you who believe, uh, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe. Um, the wording here in verse 7 in the Greek is more like, Now to you who believe, uh, this, uh, this is honor for you. This is honor. Uh, but to those who do not believe. But the meaning behind it is essentially what the NIV is trying to communicate. Uh, to those of you who believe, um, you see this stone as precious. Um, you, you, um, you believe in, in the Lord Jesus Christ as the living stone. But to those who do not believe, um, and then it quotes from the psalm that we sang, this, uh, that was the opening call to worship, and that we sang before the sermon, Psalm 118. Psalm 118 has a number of uh, uh, um, prophetic pointings to Jesus. But one of them is this verse right here, verse 22. Um, the stone that re the builders rejected has become the capstone. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know why the NIV takes Psalm 118, verse 22 and makes the stone a capstone. I'm not really sure uh, the reasoning behind that. Um, the word is cornerstone. Uh, the, the cornerstone was an important stone in building. It is an important stone in building. In fact, I believe that in the cornerstone of Cottage Grove, there's a Bible, right? Place the Bible in there. Um, because if you don't have that cornerstone set right, the rest of the building won't, won't set right. And you have to have a very specific, you have to have a very good, you have to have a very, a very good cornerstone. And so the builders would be very careful, they would be very picky about the cornerstone that they would pick. Well, this is what this verse is saying, they're saying the stone, the builders rejected, they said, we don't want that as our cornerstone. We don't want that as the foundation of our building. We reject that is the one that has become the cornerstone. It is the same as what John says in John chapter 1. Christ came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of men, nor of blood, nor of uh, choice, uh, but born uh, from above, born by God. And so then, uh, even though Christ's people rejected him, God, God chose him. Chosen by God and precious. Now, this is, I think, a good point for us because much of Jesus' life 
is about teaching us um, fear of man or fear of God. Fear of man or fear of God. And and Jesus even teaches us, uh, do not fear the one who can destroy your body but cannot destroy your soul. Fear the one who can destroy both body and soul and cast you into hell. Uh, What is Jesus saying? He's saying, even though um, much of my life I... I, was, I experienced the, uh, the bitter end of politics, the bitter end of um, popularity contests. Uh, even for much of my life, I was rejected by those whom I came to save, uh, those whom, uh, whose blood I shared, those whom I was their Messiah. Um, even though to many people, I was seen as unimportant. I was seen as rejected. I was seen as not good enough. I knew to my Father in heaven. I was chosen. I was precious. That thing, that should be uh, a goal that we have in our life. Um, We we say it in other ways. We say, you know, I live for an audience of one. This is an example that Jesus set before us, uh, but I think it's one that we often aren't challenged to to live out um, because for for many of us, we've been blessed to live in a country where where being a Christian has been um, a good thing and seen as a good thing in our society. Um, Those days are coming swiftly to an end. And so the question is, when, when... Claiming the name of Christ begins to bring unpopularity into our life. Uh, begins to bring a magnifying glass of creeping around and looking um, at us and ways to try to make life more difficult for us. Um, are we going to say, well, even though right now I am rejected by men, I know that I am chosen and precious in the sight of my God. Uh, that's what Jesus lived for. Um, and uh, we are in him and we're called to live the same. In verse 8 it says, uh, quoting from Isaiah, another chapter, another passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8 and Isaiah 26 or 28. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 14, a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. This stone that the builders rejected that became the chief cornerstone is one that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined to do. Peter says, uh, many people are rejecting this message that was preached to you. And he comforts them by saying this is something they were destined for. Uh, now, I don't think that we should take from that that it means that um, there isn't a chance for them to hear the message and believe in it. It just means that um, there are some who are destined to, uh, to stumble at the message of the cross. This is um, a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, this message that uh, Jesus came. He lived, he died. 
and he rose again. So we are the living stones, but these are the dead stones, those that don't believe in the message of the living stone. Um, and then Peter goes on to what I would call like an addendum on his first point. In point three. In comparison to these people that don't believe, Peter says, you are chosen people. A royal priesthood. You, a holy nation, uh, you are a people belonging to God. In this whole list of identities, right? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. You were once those who did not receive mercy, but you receive mercy now. Once again, like I said, these are people who were not raised as Israelites, as Jews. These are people who are Gentile Christians, and they have the Old Testament Bible, and they want to know, where's my place in this story? What's my identity? that I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. And they're going to go to the Old Testament and they're going to say, wow, I am like the chosen people, like the nation of Israel. They're going to go to the Old Testament and they're going to say, wow, God called the people of Israel a, 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 a priesthood, a, a kingdom of royal uh, priests. I'm like that. Oh, God called the people of Israel a holy nation. I am part of that. A people belonging to God. God said, of all the tribes, of all the peoples in the world, I choose you, Israel, not because of your greatness. I am, I, I am part of that now. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And, then, and even verse 10, it's an allusion from, from Hosea. You, you, remember, uh, you remember Hosea, the story of Hosea. God has Hosea marry uh, Gomer, a prostitute. And, and if that's not bad enough, also God says, I'm going to tell you how you have to name your kids. And this is what God, <laughs> sometimes, man, when you read the things that, that the prophets of the Old Testament went through, like uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah and, and, um, and Hosea, you're like, wow, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, God's like, okay, so this is going to be the name of your kid. Um, and then he gives this name, and it's like, the, the name means not my people, because I have rejected you, Israel. And just imagine... <laughs> Imagine this little kid in 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 uh, in in, uh, in school with his buddies, and be like, "Hey, who's your dad? Yeah, Hosea. Yeah, the prophet. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, so your mom's Gomer. <laughs> your mom's a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so what's your name? Uh, not my people. <laughs> you know, it's just. Sorry, I guess it's just funny to me. <laughs> I just think that would be. Um, he probably was like, yeah, I go by my middle name. I don't want to be... You know. But but this is what this... this uh, Hosea, God told Hosea to call his, his son, not my people. Because he had rejected Israel and he's going to bring punishment to Israel, right? Well, Peter's saying, 
You were like that. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So Peter's saying, you're the new people of God, like Israel. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, belonging to God. You are, are a people. You are not a people, but you are a people now. You were not those who received mercy, but you received mercy now. Because what Peter is saying is, um, before there were things that meant something to you about your identity, like what sort of ethnic group that you belong to, or um, whether you were an Israelite or not. But Peter is saying now, the identity that is most important is what you do with the living stone. And that means Jew or Gentile, black or white, African or Asian, no matter where you come from, if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong to the same group of people. That's your identity now. You don't have to be a Levite to be part of the royal priesthood. No, if you believe in Jesus, it's the priesthood of all believers. There aren't certain churches that are a holy nation. No, if you believe in Jesus, the living stone, if you come to him, you, you are a holy nation. You're a people belonging to God. If you're in Christ, then you get everything that belongs to Christ. You understand that, right? That's what this is saying. So living out the Christian life requires reminding ourselves of our new identity in Christ. In Christ. All of what is being said here in, in second, or 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, has to do with the way we relate to Christ. He's the living stone. That's why we are living stones. He's the living stone. That's why if we don't believe in him, we're dead stones. He's the living stone. That's why if we believe in him, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And so you see, uh, our modern day wants to say that you get to decide what it is that you actually are. Um, but G G Peter says, no, actually, uh, the, the one defining identity that matters in this life is what you do with Jesus. Whether you are in Christ. That's why uh, Westminster Larger Catechism talks about the distinction between the visible church and the invisible church. Um, question 62 says, what's the visible church? The visible church is a society made up of all such as in all ages and places of the world that do profess the true religion and of their children. The special privileges of the visible church. The visible church have the privilege of being under God's special care and government, being protected and preserved in all ages notwithstanding the opposition of all enemies, and of enjoying the communion of saints, the ordinary means of salvation, and offers of grace by Christ to all the members of it in the ministry of the gospel, testifying 
that whosoever believes in him shall be saved, and excluding none that will come unto him. And what's the invisible church? The invisible church is the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head. And what special benefits do the members of the invisible church enjoy by Christ? The members of the invisible church by Christ enjoy union and communion with him and grace and glory. The union and communion with Christ is what Peter is talking about here. What is that union which the elect have with Christ? The union which the elect have with Christ is the work of God's grace, whereby they are spiritually and mystically, yet really and inseparably joined to Christ as their head and husband, which is done in their effectual calling. Living out the Christian life requires that we remind ourselves of our new identity in Christ. Our new identity in Christ is that we are new God, the God's people, God's new people. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation, belonging to God. We are like living stones being built together to make up the temple of God, offering spiritual sacrifices to Jesus Christ, or to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, despite what the world says about being able to define yourselves, uh, being able to define who you are, Peter tells us, um, as Christians, we are defined in Christ. Who we are is who we are in Jesus. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this new identity that we have in Christ, living stones. We pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, even if we be rejected by men, we pray that we would know that we are chosen by you and precious, just as your son was. May you build us into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. May we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, may we trust in him, knowing that those who trust in him will never be put to shame. Uh, may we call out to those who do not believe, Lord, that they may turn from their unbelief and put their faith in Jesus Christ, the living stone. And may we be reminded that we are your chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we are a people belonging to you, that we may, Lord, with this knowledge, declare the praises of you who called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Uh, may we be reminded that once we were not a people, but now we are a people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. So, Heavenly Father, may we, may we know that we don't get to decide what it is that we actually are, but we are so thankful for that because you have decided what it is that we actually are. Um, we are Christians. We are in Christ. And what we are in him is something so beautiful, so precious, we could not want to be anything else. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.